0: If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah 49, starting at verse 8, and Dave will be teaching us today. Isaiah 49, verse 8. We've been in Ezekiel, so you've found your way to the prophets recently. So it's just a couple books before uh, Ezekiel. Isaiah 49, verse 8. Why don't we stand for the hearing of the word today? And I'm going to read from verse 8 through verse 16. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out and to those in darkness, be free. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. I will turn all my mountains into roads and my highways will be raised up see, they will come from afar, some from the north, some from the west, some from the region of the Aswan. Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people, and he will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion says, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget The baby at her breast, and have no compassion on the child she has born. Even if she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. The word of the Lord, please have a seat. Well, happy Mother's Day to you all, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Great to be here to celebrate this day with you. And and next week, we're going to start a new series that will take us through the rest of the summer. Uh, So today, I thought we could just carve out this day to focus on a passage that I thought would be appropriate to Mother's Day and and honor you women in this room. This great passage that, that compares the love of God for his people to the love of a mother for her child. The compassion and tender care that our God has Uh, As moms have for their children. And so today what I want to do is I just want to remember who our God is together, and I want to honor you women in this room, whether you are a new mom, whether you're an older mom, whether you are a spiritual mom to other people in your lives, we want to honor you and encourage you this morning. I'm going to keep it really simple today. So I'm going to focus on just one or two verses in this passage, a little context for Isaiah. Um, You've got a head start because we just got through Ezekiel, okay? So Isaiah is another prophet writing uh, about 150 years before Ezekiel, but he's a prophet in Israel writing to Israel. And uh, the context of, of Isaiah is pretty much the context of every prophet. The prophets always have two messages. One, they have a message of warning. And Isaiah has a lot of warning to Israel because, as in Ezekiel, they had been going through years of disobedience with their God. They're living in the promised land, but now they're pursuing other idols. They're worshiping other gods. They're disobeying God's laws. And as a result, there's injustice in the land. They're not taking care of the needy among them. And this has been going on for a while. And so Isaiah is a message of warning. If you guys don't change, God is going to do something as he promised he would. And he will bring in foreign invaders and they will conquer you and they will kick you out of the land. And so he's prophesying about that That. Possible judgment to come. But Isaiah is also this great message of promise, as was Ezekiel, that even though God may discipline his children, that he will restore them, he will bring them back, he will always love them, he will remember his covenant with them, and he will be merciful to them. So warning and also promise. And in our passage, hopefully you picked up, we're in a passage of promise, where God is making these great promises that even if they're sent away from the land, he will bring them back to the land, restore them, and have compassion on them. So if you look at verse 8, he says, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people. He's talking about restoring the land. I will restore the land and reassign its desolate inheritances. I'll, I'll bring the captives out. I'll restore you. This great picture of promise and restoration to the people. But in the midst of this, uh, Israel has a complaint against the Lord. And I want to zero in on verse 14 today. Uh, This is their complaint. Zion, it says, Zion would, would represent the people of Israel here. But Zion has a complaint. And here it is. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Okay, that's how Israel is feeling in this time. Where is God right now? Where, he, is, has he forgotten us? And the reality is they're just experiencing the consequences of their own disobedience. It's starting to play out. And so their lives are getting much more challenging. It's, it's their own decisions that have brought them to where they are. But their felt reality and their felt experience is, God, where are you? Have you, have you forgotten about us? Have you forgotten about us? your people. And I was thinking this week just of the experience of feeling forgotten, of, of thinking, I've, I've been forgotten. And I would guess every one of us in this room at some point in our lives has had that experience. And it's a very painful experience of, of just feeling forgotten, feeling like we got left behind. Whether it was, you know, when we were little kids on the playground and a game starts up and we're not included, or our, our friends go off and do something some night and, and they just forget to invite us. I would guess almost all of us have had a birthday at some point in our lives where somebody important to us forgot about the day. And we expected them to remember and they, they forgot. And we just feel, oh, I was just forgotten today. Now, some of us have gone through, you know, really painful times. Maybe we lose a loved one, like Mark was just talking about. We, we go through a time of grief, and we're walking through something really hard, and there's this initial outpour of support and love as people come around us, and they're with us in our pain and suffering. Uh, but then the, the weeks and the months go by, right? And everybody just goes back to life, <laughs> business as usual, and we're still left in this place of grief six months, a year, two years later, feeling kind of forgotten. Like this, this thing that we've gone through, is just it's, it's just been kind of forgotten by people. It's painful to be forgotten. And on the flip side of that, it, it can be a really powerful experience, can't it? When somebody remembers us. Uh, when someone remembers our birthday, when we, someone we wouldn't expect. Now we've got Facebook, so it's kind of cheating, you know. But back in the day, <laughs> When someone you wouldn't expect to remember remembers your birthday or certainly maybe there's an anniversary of of like a a loved one's death or some some moment of grief in your life and a year later, someone on that day, someone calls you and says, hey, I was thinking of you today. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I love you. Uh, Or even maybe something personal that you shared with someone. And three weeks, three months later, they call and say, hey, how is that going? You're like, oh, you, you were listening. You noticed me. You remembered me. There's, there's something so powerful about being seen and noticed and taken in and remembered. And Israel is wondering, God, have you, have you forgotten us? Have you forsaken us? Well, let's look at God's response. Love this very apropos for Mother's Day, of course. is why I chose the passage. Verse 15. God says to Israel, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? That is a rhetorical question, is it not? No, of course a mother cannot forget the baby that she has nursed. Now, I'm a father of three little girls, as most of you know, so I have seen nursing up close and personal. In the last, I guess I have a third-hand account of nursing, which is probably as close as I should be to that, um, <laughs> or second, a second-hand account, maybe. I don't know how you, how you say that, but um, so I've been able to experience this with our three children, and I know this is not always the case for moms. But in my wife's case, this has been a very beautiful experience. And as a dad, it's so fun to watch what feels like this almost primal relationship, you know, where you've got this, you've got this little life that is so dependent. And and helpless. And then you have mom, and to me, it's this miracle. She has everything within her to, to give this little life everything that it needs. And there's this, this beautiful bond that can take place in those early months and years of, of motherhood. I love the word God uses here in verse 15 says, 'cause can a mother have no compassion? uses that word compassion. And that word in the Bible is this deep inward feeling of, of tender affection, usually for someone who is in a place of greater uh, vulnerability and helplessness than you are. And I have certainly seen that play out in my wife in these early years. This compassion, this tender affection. Of course, you moms know that that does not end after nursing ends. But you continue to have this passionate care and concern for your children. It is the beautiful role of a mother. This compassionate concern, this, this unconditional love, this taking in of her children and loving them as they are. Uh, I wanted to reach out to a f- few friends this week. Uh, these are all guys. But I said, hey, I'd, I'd love to hear, when you think of your mom just in what she's meant to give, you, know, throw me just one or two phrases, what comes to mind. Just email them. I wanted to share a couple of their responses. I, I love this got about four or five responses here. Here's what one person said. When I think of mom, I think of a source of unconditional love and support. Someone that will genuinely hurt with her children in their lows and celebrate them in their highs. Another one. She is an example of a prayerful, grateful, and cheerful dependence on God. Another one. She prioritized us above her own comfort and well-being. And I love what was said here. Uh, Dads more often find ways, this is a young dad, okay, take that again. Dads more often find ways to escape into other things to maintain sanity. But moms are embedded in the mess of their children's lives. Another one, my mom laughs at all my jokes. No joke. And that's, right, the world laughs when our jokes are funny. Mom laughs at all the jokes. One more, the two words were joyful sacrifice. I've had many people give me things, lend a helping hand, and sacrifice their time and resources, but my mom does it with complete and utter joy. And for me, as I think of my own mom, that's the one that resonates the most, this, this woman who sacrificed so much for me, but I never experienced that as a burden. I, she, it was just pure joy. All of that sacrifice and time and support was, was utter and pure joy for her. And so I just experienced myself being loved. So thank you, Mom. It's beautiful. And I know we, didn't, we haven't all had this experience with moms, as, as Mark said. So I'm, I'm acknowledging that. But there's this unique role that moms can play in, in their children's lives. And one of the things that moms took to our passage, to what God says in verse 15, you know, moms don't forget us. Even if we think sometimes they forget, moms don't forget. And I really see that in my wife. as a mom. My, my wife remembers everything, okay? This causes problems in our marriage. Um, because I don't remember everything. But it's beautiful as a mom, she, she takes in the kids in a way that I, I don't. Um, she takes them in and she is present in moments and she remembers everything. And when she's not with the kids, when they're asleep, she's actually on the computer looking at photographs of our children. <laughs> And what she's doing in that time is she is remembering what just happened five hours earlier. She's taking it in. It's funny, our oldest, like a year ago, she, we, she was, I was just in the morning, and she was doing something funny, and I was laughing. She's like, hey, Daddy, can we, can we watch the video of what I just did? And I realized she, she thinks there's an ongoing video reel, like there's some magic reel all the time that you can just pull up. And I had to tell her, well, I didn't actually, you know, record that, honey. But she's remembering, and moms, moms remember. And I don't want to overly stereotype here, but dads, my experience is, is we tend to more easily forget. And our love tends to be more conditioned on performance than moms. And that's certainly the way of the world, you know? I mean, when, when we're winning in life, when we're performing, when we're being extraordinary, the world remembers us. They notice us, they remember us. But when we're losing, when we're failing, when we're not living up to expectations, that's when mom is there to say, I still remember you. I still see you. I still take you in and notice you. That's the unique and beautiful role of a mom. And God is using that, that image of a mom nursing, and he's speaking to this people who feel abandoned and forgotten by him, and he says, even if she could forget you, I will never forget you saying, take that same tender, intimate, compassionate love of a perfect mom for her child. And he's saying, that is the same compassionate love and care and concern I have for you. I love you. I see you, Israel. I see you, my people. And I will never forsake you. And I will never forget you. And what I love about this is he is saying this at a time where this is not Israel's finest hour. Let's just say that, okay? They are not being good Boys and girls with, with uh, their covenant God. They are off running from him, and they're blaming him for their own decisions. But even in a place where they are at their worst hour, God says, hey, I am still here. I love you. I am here for you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The loving care of a mom for her child. And I, I was just thinking of this passage, and I, and I started thinking of, of other stories in Scripture where we see this Part of God's heart come out in specific stories. And actually, the first story that came to mind is one that you probably hardly ever think about, but it's the story of God's care and concern for a young mom. It's the story of Hagar and Ishmael. And that story starts, I just want to just sum it up for you and remind you of this story. It's beautiful. The story starts, of course, with the story of Abraham and Sarah, the, the mother and father of the, the Jewish nation. And God had come to this old couple and he had promised them descendants. And he said, I'm going to give you kids even though they're well beyond childbearing years. And, uh, but that promise was actually 30 years in coming. It's a long time to wait for a kid, especially when you're like 80 years old. <laughs> so about halfway through that time, they come up with this idea. Sarah says, Abraham, you know, maybe God wants us to take matters in our own hands. God helps those who help themselves, right? So I have this servant girl, Hagar, why don't you... Lay with her, and maybe God wants to give us a child through her. And so Abraham goes along with this idea, and uh, Hagar conceives, so she gets pregnant. And once she gets pregnant, that causes a lot of uh, relational uh, issues, of course, with Sarah, and she becomes jealous. And so they basically send Hagar away. They, 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 they make her leave, and she's sent off into the desert, okay, into the Middle Eastern desert as a pregnant woman. And she is basically left for dead. She's going to be forgotten. She's going to be forsaken. Imagine being out in the wilderness as a, as a pregnant, single woman. And out in the desert, it says, then the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. He said, where are you? What are you where are you going? She explains the situation. He says, I see you. I'm with you. And he comes alongside this woman. And he says, come back. I will, you can come back into the family and we'll work this out. And he brings her back and she goes back in the family. And, and the, what I love is the way the passage ends is Hagar gives God a name. And this is how it it says, Hagar gave this name to the Lord. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. When no one else saw me, when I was left and forsaken and forgotten, you are the God who sees me. Beautiful picture. She goes back. She gives birth. Ishmael grows up. He becomes maybe 10 years old. And then finally, the child of promise, Isaac, comes along. And again, once Isaac is born, the, the sibling rivalry kicks in. And so again, Hagar and Ishmael are asked to leave the family. And Abraham provides them with some food and some water. And this single mom with her young boy are sent out into the wilderness again. The water runs out. The food runs out in the hot Middle Eastern sun. And Hagar puts her child down in, under, under the shade of a tree, basically waiting for him to die, crying out. And once again, the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, I see you. I haven't forgotten you. And he opens her eyes and there's a well nearby and he provides water for her and he promises to bless her and her child and, and give her a nation of her own. This, this story we hardly ever tell, that we ever, hardly ever think about, but this beautiful picture of a God who has this tender love, in this case for a young mom, who sees, who doesn't forget. And that is a consistent theme in the scriptures. We have this God who is a God for the forgotten people. He's a God of the forgotten people. Those that the world overlooks, passes by, God has a unique and special place in his heart for those kind of people. I was thinking of Psalm 68. He is a father To the fatherless, a defender of widows, those who can't defend themselves, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. These are the forgotten people of ancient society that God has this unique heart for. Even the story of Israel itself is a story of God remembering a forgotten people. I'm reading through the book of Exodus right now. It's beautiful. And you have these, these Israelites who have become slaves in this vast Egyptian Empire, completely overlooked by an average Egyptian of the day, and yet it says that their cry came up to God, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and of course, through Moses, he comes down to rescue his people. And as we move into the New Testament, you have Jesus himself, the embodiment of God in the flesh, who, who is this, this rabbi, this, this man for all the forgotten people of first century Jewish society, for the poor, for the blind, for the deaf, for the lepers, these are the untouchables, the the people, you know, the prostitutes, the the tax collectors, The, the forgotten people are finding a home with Jesus, experience his tender compassion and care, seeing them, taking them in, receiving them into relationship with himself. This is who our God is, He has the qualities of a perfect mother who sees us, who never forsakes us, who who takes us in, who loves us just as we are. Amen? Amen? Amen. So I want to leave you with two questions this morning on this Mother's Day. First one is this. These are simple questions, but where do you need to be reminded of the tender compassion of our God this morning? This God who sees you, who loves you right as you are, who never forgets you, who would never forsake you. Where do you need to be reminded? You know, we spent a lot of time in Ezekiel focusing on another part of God's character, (laughs) right? His holiness, uh, his glory, his bigness, his power. But this is also part of who our God is, this tender, loving, compassionate concern for his people. And where do you need to be reminded of that this morning? Uh, Maybe there are areas in your life today where you have been wandering from God for a while. Maybe you've just been wandering, period, from God for a while. Or maybe there's specific areas where if you're honest, you're like, yeah, I've just kind of drifted. And you're kind of wondering, I I don't know how to get back. I I don't know what that looks like. I don't even know what he thinks about me right now. I, I, I don't know what it means to clean myself up enough to... Come back into God's presence. And I just want to remind you of the gospel, that the minute you turn around, you have a, in this case, not a mother, but a father waiting with open arms who has all sorts of room for his children who return, who are messy, broken, not cleaned up. And he says, I love you. I haven't forgotten you for a minute. I love you. Come and, and be with me. These Open arms. So where do you need that? Or may, maybe, maybe you haven't been wondering, but maybe you've been going through just some hard stuff lately. Life has been hard, and you've been carrying some burdens, and it's been a while. And, and if you're honest, you probably don't actually voice this, but there is some voice kind of wondering, like, God, are, do you care? I mean, are, are you, do you see me in this? What, what do you, what's your posture towards me? And I just want to encourage you, if you're there, just remember this image and just think of a mom and how she feels when her kids are going through hard times. And if you're a mom, that's easy for you to do. Whether it's when your kid is three years old and falls down and is bleeding and crying or goes through their first breakup or has kids of their own and, and is struggling with their own kids, whatever, whatever your son or daughter is going through, you know how your heart goes out. And trust God, here, when he says, that is how my heart goes out to you. I do see you. I do remember. I do keep track of what's going on. I'm with you in this. I love this image in in Psalm 56, where the psalmist is going through a really hard time, and he says this, you, Lord, keep track of all my sorrows. And then this image, you have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one of them in your book. This God who not only sees our pain, but, but remembers it, honors it, holds it with himself, within himself. And this, I mean, it's an image, right? Remembers it. And so I just want to encourage you. This is who our God is. Where do you need to be reminded of that today? And then the second question is to all of us, and it's this. At this season of your life, where are you being called to reflect God's heart of compassion for the forgotten people? If we are the people of God, are we reflecting God's own heart for the forgotten people? Are you living a life where you're, you have a heart for those who are forgotten? I just wanna remind you, there's a lot of forgotten people in society today, especially where we live in Orange County, okay? We're here and we value wealth, we value success, uh, we value achievement, We value busyness. We value entertainment. And and if you can keep up with those things, um, you will be remembered and you will be noticed. But if you can't keep up with that, if you find yourself not being able to keep up, it's pretty easy in this society to to go forgotten, to, to go just completely unnoticed. And people like that are all around us. And yet Jesus Christ says, it's your love for the forgotten people that demonstrates the authenticity of your faith. I was thinking of what he says at the end of Matthew's gospel. This is the last scripture I'll show you for the day. He says, when I return, I will be king. And everyone will give an account of their lives. And he says this. And this is what's going to happen. The king will say to those on his right, Come. You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom of heaven prepared for you since the creation of the world. And here's why you enter my kingdom. Because I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Because you looked out and saw not just those who had their lives together, but the, the, the vulnerable, the forgotten, and you demonstrated my love for them. And historically, the church has always been on the front lines of loving those people, the, the people that, that you know, the, the society doesn't think about. The church has always been on the front lines of that. And so I just want to remind you, and encourage you, where are you being called to love and serve those who are there? And I'm not, it doesn't have to be anything dramatic. I'm not talking about starting a new nonprofit ministry for orphans, okay, or anything like that. But who are the people in your life, they're in this room right now, they're in your lives right now, who, who are going through hard times that would be easy in the, in the business of life just to forget, just to, to overlook? What would it look like to reach out and say, hey, I remember, I notice, I see you, I love you. It might be your own children. <laughs> you don't have to go far to do this. There's a lot of people that are, that are tempted right now to think God has forgotten me. And so let's be the concrete evidence in their lives that says, no, he has not, because I'm here right now. And then mothers, I just wanna say, and Mark has already said everything I want to say beautifully, um, but I just wanna say thank you. Again, wherever you find yourself, whether you're a a new mom. You've been a mom for a long time. You are a spiritual mom to other people. We just want to say thank you for being, even in all your imperfections and brokenness, a concrete expression of the unconditional love of God, of seeing us, of taking us in exactly as we are and loving us in spite of all of our faults. And I just want to encourage you and remind you to never underestimate the power of being seen and noticed and remembered and taken in in all of our stuff and just accept it. That is such a powerful ministry that you have to offer. So we want to say thank you and want to encourage you and bless you in that. Let's pray. Well, Lord, on this Mother's Day, it is so good to be reminded of who you are. That while you are big and strong, and sovereign, and holy, you also have deep within your heart this loving, tender, compassionate care for us, especially when we're aware of our brokenness and our need for you. Your heart just goes out, and we're so grateful for that. And so I pray that you would minister to each one of us in the broken places of our lives. I pray that you would inspire us to reach out to those around us in the broken places of their lives. And I pray especially your blessing on moms, that you would encourage them. You would give them patience, wisdom, courage to uh, take on this role again and uh, give them the strength to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to close this morning by uh, celebrating communion today. As you can see, we've got our tables with bread and juice up here. And I want to remind you, I know you know most of you know what communion is, but I want to remind you two things about communion. One, of course, most importantly, that this, this is a reminder of Jesus' death. Uh, the bread represents his body that was broken on the cross. The cup of juice represents his blood that was shed on the cross to bring about forgiveness of sins for us. And... Um, you know, I completely forgot about something I wanted to say in my sermon. Um, I'll say it right now. This beautiful image in verse 16 where God says, "I have engraved you, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands." It's this picture of you are always with me. Um, you go everywhere I go, I, my my mind, my heart is is always with you. And just this beautiful picture of, of God's his care for his people. And in communion, you know, we recognize that that became a reality in Jesus Christ, <laughs> that he literally bears the marks of his love for us um, through the cross. And so this is a reminder of, of the love and sacrifice of Jesus for us that gives us forgiveness. And the other thing I, I just want to say is just remember this is a meal. And I wish we could gather around a big table and have a full meal. But, but this is a meal. And it, it, Jesus invites us to his table. He invites us to a meal. And he himself is the meal. It's, it, we take this meal and as, as we're, we're being reminded of the grace and forgiveness we have through Jesus Christ. Um, but he is, in, in a sense, he is being like a great mom. You know, moms are known for their meals, right? And Jesus, he offers us this wonderful meal. It is a meal of fellowship with him. And you're invited to this table to remember again, to receive again his forgiveness and grace. So when you're ready, we've got uh, five tables up. Come to whatever table is closest to you. And if, if you're some, sometimes this line gets really full, so feel free, some of you, to come over to these sides so we can even it out. And we'll sing some songs to Jesus as we do this. So when you're ready, come to the table.